Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to the first edition of the 2024 Four Peas podcast. I am your host, Trunus Goggins, and we are going to devote this entire month. I know a lot of you have uh, New Year's resolutions, and and you are looking at changes, and and all these things are going to happen. You're going to have, you're going to go into 2024 with a new vision, with a strategic plan in order to make your, not only your 2024, but your life better. But before you actually start with all these, if you haven't done this already, uh, you need to look at who you are. You need to look at your identity. And and I'm not trying to make this an identity uh, uh, episode, but we are going to get into identity and who you are right after this. Do you have the next big thing? That world-changing whatchamacallit? Do you have a story to tell? You need a show-stopping web presence. You need the web spinners at Webinit. With big picture solutions, spinning together SEO, stellar web design, blogging, podcasts, and social media integrations, you'll find yourself developing your latest and greatest thing, idea, or telling that next chapter in your story. Look us up today at webinit.com. And remember, you're not everywhere unless you're Webinit. Hello and welcome back to the Four Ps podcast. You know, I said identity, and I bet you maybe fifty percent of you guys said, "Oh, I'm turning this off. I'm tired of identity. I'm tired of identity politics. I'm tired of identity this, identity that." And you know what? You are probably absolutely right. What I'm talking about identity is this. I think we have gone um, in certain cases, and I'm not trying to get political, but in certain cases, I think when it comes to the idea of identity, uh, we've gone a little bit too far. Uh, we, we identify as everything, you know, I identify as a Bills fan or I identify, I do identify as a Bills fan and I'm very proud of one of that, but you know, that doesn't dictate how, um, everybody else should treat me. Okay. Even though usually when I say I'm a Bills fan, there are certain people and, and I, I don't really appreciate it that laugh. Okay. And you know what? You're wrong for that, you know, but um, anyway, there are also, you know, but that, that should not be how I am, you know, I'm addressed, you know, I'm so many different things. And when we go into identity, especially when we talk about identity politics and, you know, I have to hire this person because uh, it's, she's Hispanic, or I have to hire this person because of this, or I have to have a certain number of this. We got really deep into identity and, and that sometimes I think that that part can be, um, that part can definitely be um, discussed and it can be debated when we get to that point. But, but let's go to the other extreme. Okay. When in, even in war and throughout history, the best way to defeat your enemy is to take away their identity. Once they don't know who they are, and, and this has happened seriously, this is if you read history books all the way back to the beginning of time, any empire, the first thing they would do is they would take away your identity. They would make sure you assimilate into their culture, whatever that culture may be. And you have to forsake your other identity. It's happened uh, in the in during the Roman. Well, the Roman Empire was a little different, but it did happen in Egypt. It happened in all these different great empires where they just said, "Okay, listen, you are now one of us, and that is it. Or you are going to be one of us at a lesser scale." When slavery happened in the United States of America and throughout the world, what the uh, slave owners did is immediately is they took away their African culture. They took it right away. And they made sure that uh, they assimilated into a version, not into the complete, but in the slaves. I mean, they they uh, assimilated into a version of, of, 
European culture. So that way they are no longer, they lose that pride and they lose that identity. And so the thing is, is you need to balance that out. You can't just have identity dictate who you are, but dictate but it does have to guide. And those are different definitions. We're not gonna get into the Rep Webster's Dictionary today, but they do have to guide. You have to make sure that you balance. You have to know who you are. If you are going into 2024 and you're going into 2024 saying, I am going to do certain things and whatever those things are, you need to make sure that those certain things, whatever they are, align with your identity. They align with your strengths. They align with your weaknesses. They align with your beliefs. They align with your ethics. They align with all of these different things. There are a lot of times we go out and we say, hey, you know, I want this new job. And then you feel uncomfortable. Why? Because, you know, sometimes it could be the culture that you've gone into. But when that culture that you've gone into, it, it, conflicts with who you really are that's when you have to leave and that's when you say hey it's not a, a fit and they do they call that person job fit that is there's a there's actually a there's a course that actually deals with that uh in human resources but those are what i'm talking about with identity but another thing when it comes to identity is this with identity comes certain rituals and i and i and i don't want to use that word as a you know because a lot of people think rituals like oh my gosh it's cult like no i'm not talking like that there are traditions there are there are rites of passages and we are going to talk i'm going to talk today with my cousin my cousin uh, lethardis goggins the second uh he is an educator um great guy lives in uh, ohio uh, he is also the owner of St. Rest Publications out of Akron, Ohio, and he has a new book called Bringing the Light into a New Day, African-Centered Rites of Passage. And he is going to talk about the book, and he's also going to talk about some things that, you know, have affected um, identity, not only in the African-American culture, but in uh, other cultures as well. And we come back, we're going to be talking to my cousin. We'll be right back after this. Do you have the next big thing? That world-changing whatchamacallit? Do you have a story to tell? You need a show-stopping web presence. You need the web spinners at Webinit. With big picture solutions, spinning together SEO, stellar web design, blogging, podcasts, and social media integrations, you'll find yourself developing your latest and greatest thing, idea, or telling that next chapter in your story. Look us up today at webinit.com. And remember, you're not everywhere unless you're Webinit. All right, and welcome back. Uh, we are back with Lethardis Goggins II. Uh, that name sounds familiar. The Goggins name is very familiar because this is my cousin. He's my older cousin. I'm going to tell you right now, he is almost like an older brother to me. Uh, a lot of my academic career, and he may not know this, this might be the first time he's ever heard this because I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, uh, you know, prideful, you know, and we are talking about pride all day today. But, you know, I didn't want him to know this. But uh, one of the reasons why I'm a Ph.D. is because of him and because of his father. They inspired me. Uh, the name Dr. Goggins sounded so much more uh, uh, cooler than uh, Mr. Goggins. And I needed to, to go out and do that. And I appreciate it. And as a matter of fact, and I'm going to say one more story before I get into introducing him. Um, 
I text when I first started writing my dissertation, uh, the first person I text, and he did not even know this, but the first person I sent a text to was Dr. Lethardis Goggins. And I call and I, I sent him a text just to get a little bit of advice. He had no idea what the advice was for. And I will tell you that became a driving force in me completing my dissertation. And I do, wow. uh, and, and Lethardis, I, I thank you. Dr. Lethardis Goggins, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him. He's been in education for over 30 years. Uh, he deals primarily with at-risk youth. Uh, he's, uh, he prim primarily uh, focuses on African-American studies. And the other thing, uh, he actually uses this, his theories and his, his, all, of his, all of the things that he learns, and he uses this to better uh, African, the African-American community. And he's done a heck of a job in the greater uh, Cleveland and Akron area. Dr. Uh, and also the last thing I wanted to say about him is he is also the owner of St. Rest Publications. Uh, it is a book public, uh, uh, actually he's a book publisher and he's been doing that for over 25 years. Dr. Goggins, Lethardis, my cousin, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it's an honor, man. I appreciate it. And, and, and yeah, I did not know I was the first, but I, uh, uh, first you text, but I hopefully I, I gave you some good advice and, and, and it's always good to, to, to reconnect with you, brother. Well, you it's, absolutely it's did. Guys. You absolutely did. You know, you, um, first of all, what I want to, I, I want you to tell us a little bit about what inspires you to do what you do. Wow. Um, it, 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 it's something that kind of is in me. Um, uh, the things that my parents provided for me were growing up. And at the time, um, I really didn't have a, a true appreciation for it. But over time, as I saw how my friends, some of my friends were falling off, uh, I saw how uh, even my interactions with the education system, how I knew things and was exposed to things I could begin to question and see uh, that impact and then working with uh, youth and seeing so much of what was at the root of, of many of the, the issues and concerns were, were about how they saw themselves, how they understood themselves and and I could and I would compare, uh, you know, how they were thinking to how I had thought, and and what was the difference was this this engagement my parents had taking me to the continent of Africa for my ninth birthday, uh, uh, going home to Louisiana and and being able to walk land that was been in our family since since 1865, mm -hmm. hearing the stories, my father telling me about how. Uh, what he did to to uh, uh, he you know doing the jazz circuit to pay for college and and different things that he encountered uh, uh, traveling living in, in East Africa you know these kinds of things and I was like wow if 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 more people kind of understood the truth of their their heritage and culture and began to connect to it they wouldn't be so susceptible they wouldn't be so quick to abandon the truths to to accept these perceptions that other people were placing on them and 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 so that kind of drove me to to think about it um as a scholar uh and then um once i got into the studies that was it um yeah 
And you know, you you talk about that sense of pride. You talk about that sense of of, of knowing yourself and, mm-hmm. and, and knowing where you are. One thing that you put in in, in this book, and it was actually uh, by Stamp in 1956. He wrote about the making of a slave, and he said mm-hmm. implanted in the enslaved people a consciousness of personal inferiority. You know, I see that now, even in some of the music, and, I, and I'm not just talking oh. about black music, I'm talking mm-hmm. about music in general, mm-hmm. where, you know, people are calling themselves bitches and hoes, and they're, and they're, and they're calling themselves the, 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 the N-word, and they're using it as a term of, of affection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if we are giving each other that sense of inferiority. But when I read your book, I see something totally different. I see, you know, the the you know, as a matter of fact, the title of the book is is bringing the light into new day, and it's uh, African centered uh, rites of passage. We were talking before we started doing the interview. We were talking about our time. You were in the Air Force. I was in the battle oh. branch, the Navy. Um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it's your podcast. We let this slide. <laughs> but but when we but we were talking about how when we were promoted from from rank to rank how we had to go through rites of passage mm-hmm. we had to test and then after that we were we were ceremoniously promoted mm-hmm. to the next step i watch how you deal with your your children and you do a, a hell of a job with your children when right. you actually do the rites of passage with your children mm-hmm. and it does create a sense of belonging it creates a sense of pride how can we start doing that in society now? Let me just preface this with the crazy thing about rites of passage. Rites of passage is a universal human process of development, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really not even a question about how we do it or if we do it. The only real question is about how it's done and, and the, 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 the deliberateness of it. Because when we don't provide it, it is so built into the human psyche that youth will create one for themselves. So you get the gang initiations, you get you get young people seeing, okay, this is what a woman is, and they'll 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 copy various symbols or markers of it, not understanding what imbues those things with power and significance. So you get this 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 hypersexuality, hyper uh, masculinity, this machizo, or this, 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 you know, selling, you know, right. f- focus on breast, but, you know, the WAP thing, right? And so, but not understanding that those things are just mere symbols that only have power in this proper context, mm-hmm. right? So, the question isn't so much about if it is just the how. How we do it is connecting ourselves to authentic history, culture, practices. How we do it is, uh, who's it, uh, uh, Dr. Malefe Asante. How better, so how better, how natural is it to look at ourselves through our own eyes? How is it that we understand our experience through the lens of our perspective instead of looking at ourselves through the eyes, through the perspectives of someone else? So you're talking about Kim Stamp saying, this is how you enslave people, that you have to convince them of their inferiority. 
This is Carter G. Woodson. If I control a man's thinking, I don't have to worry about his actions, right? Because, mm. and he goes on to say, even I don't have to tell him to go to the back door. He will go there under his own volition. And in fact, if there is no back door, if I'm, if nobody's calling you the N-word, nobody's calling you a bitch, nobody's calling you a hoe, you will cut one for your own special purpose. Your education makes it necessary. So if I have been raised in a society in which the prevailing narrative, the prevailing education, the prevailing symbols and things that I see of my own inferiority, then the oppressor, other people don't have to tell me I'm inferior. I will create the necessary language narrative of my own inferiority and and have the and even will think of it as empowering wow. right my education makes it necessary so that's the miseducation that's the part where how do we connect to those things that are actually true how do we lift up this the 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 often unspoken narrative that is that is more reflective of our truth than than uh, than the prevailing narrative. Right. For example, just, just real quick, that you know about the black male image that we are thugs, we're 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 criminals, this and that. And I I go and you know, I do these talks and stuff. I go in any neighborhood or go into any community on any given Sunday. There's more black men in church than have been arrested. And almost you name the city, name the right. the community. But the prevailing narrative isn't that black men go to church. The prevailing narrative is we're on our way to jail. Even though the reality is, again, there's more black men going to church. Right. How do we lift that up? How as the normal, which is when you look at the numbers, more normal mm -hmm. than the relatively few folks. That are getting arrested. You know, you you bring that up, and 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 just youth in general. Um, I I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs uh, in my profession, mm -hmm. and a lot of people uh, our age. You know, they'll sit there and say, "Well, the young people just don't know what it is for hard work." And you ready for this? The statistics show forty six percent of Gen Z. That's mm -hmm. people eighteen to twenty five. Uh huh. Forty six percent of Gen Z are now in the steps or they're already in entrepreneurial ventures mm. again yeah. but now the but if you look at the narrative the narrative out there these kids are selfish they don't know what's going on they they, they they're weak they're soft but that's the narrative and out of that 46 percent, there is a large large portion of those Gen Z's, these are young black men and women mm -hmm. who are now going out and starting their own business. I, I look at, at my kids, um, they haven't started their own business yet because they're not as, as, as crazy as their dad. But <laughs> what they have done is they've gone out and worked and they've worked very hard to build a family and, and do things that they need to do. And you're right, but our culture and our narrative out there, the what the 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 the, the prevailing argument and 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 narrative right now is we are in a bad state. We are not where we're supposed to be. But that also takes away again, like you said, that that adds to that inferiority. That adds to it doesn't matter what I do, I'm still going to be looked at as as this. 
and and that is that is a a uh that is a bad thing now i do not want to get too deep into this book because i want people i want my listeners to buy this book again the name of the book is bringing the light into a new day uh african-centered rites of passage by lethardis goggins the second um but i do want to talk about this i want to talk about your you because we are not we do talk i love entrepreneurs you went and you said hey i published a book you published a book before with someone else and you mm -hmm. realized that you found a better way and now you're doing it on your own can you tell us a little bit about how you know you're better off doing it on your own i uh, sure uh and and i actually say this was you can date myself this is back in the day before digital printing right so uh, my my the first edition of bringing the light into a new day was back in the day when they burned it onto the the metal plates and and had to run the the copy wow uh, uh and and had to buy you know two thousand books at a time the printing uh, press <laughs> right yeah, yes 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 okay. the, the good old-fashioned printing press uh -huh. so but but i did that because my my very first book uh, African Center Rights of Passage in Education. I, I made this transition uh, into wanting to be a scholar, wanted to, to study uh, rights of passage, and I, and I was exposed formally to rights of passage uh, through uh, some, some experiences here in Akron, Akibalan Shiro, and, and some of these other folks uh, that were involved in, in working with youth, and, and we brought in uh, 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 this, these brothers out of uh, Gary, Indiana, mm -hmm. and so I was I was formally introduced all that. So I got into a master's program, cultural foundations of education. Wrote this thesis because at the time there was nothing that I could find in a scholarship that connected education to this idea of rites of passage. Um, rites of passage was primarily a, a anthropologic, you know, something in anthropology. Uh, and they were, but it just made sense to me as I was looking at it, they ought to be connected. Mm -hmm. So I didn't find anything as a good scholar, you write it. And uh, all that to say then with, when it was written, folks were like, this ought to be a book, you know, you ought to put this you know, put this out to the book. So I, I went through African-American images, Juwanza Gunjufu, uh, again, very thankful for the opportunity, but I, I, you start to learn the business. And I was making 10% of wholesale, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and also sometimes as the, the fantasy of being an author is, you know, you're author and, and you got this agent or you got the publisher that's gonna go out and do all this work and they'll just call you up and send you out here to do this book signing and stuff like that. That's only if you got name and you are a celebrity already and, and, and that kind of stuff. If you are a young person coming out for the first time, you're hustling, you're doing all this hustle yourself. Right. And what I was learning was, again, I'm making 10% of wholesale. The book sold for uh, $8.95. Wholesale was uh, $5.40. 10% of that was $0.54. Cents. I'm doing all this work for $0.54 cents a book. Yeah. Right? Um, so, and again, it was my master's thesis where I talk about rights of passage, but I really didn't delve into the concept. So that's what I wrote, bringing the light into a new day that delves into rights of passage, not as a program, 
but understanding the, the process and the model of rites of passage. And uh, so I, I wrote that and then was thinking about how to get it published. I learned the business. I learned the, the aspect of it. And I learned as a publisher, the I could, I could set the price for the retail. When I make wholesale, when I sold it to a, a distributor, I would still make money. Mm-hmm. And then when I went out and did all the stuff that I was doing for my other book and selling it directly to the bookstores or selling directly to people, instead of making 10%, I'm making the full, you know, the, the retail minus the printing cost. So on bringing the light into the new day, uh, my minus my cost of printing, I'm making $9.75 a book. Versus a book. Yes, a lot better. So, you know, I learned that. And then that was two th- that was 1998. Uh, and then in 2012 was really the 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 around you know 2000 well, actually close to 2010. Digital printing really comes on board. And now instead of because even to get that that uh, uh, two dollar twenty five cents per printing cost, mm-hmm. uh, I had that was ordering two thousand books at a time, right? Right. Uh, where digital, you can do almost print on demand, um, and so I, I kind of I had the business for that book really but really then when the digital came in again took the time to rethink relearn the business and started publishing um some other uh some some other books and other other things that i've done then also started getting into some of the uh uh other prints with with uh public domain stuff and and learning the business of of digital uh with the digital printing because the cost the initial cost just drops so much. Fantastic. And that is definitely, uh, that is, I will say there are so many of us Goggins that are trying to make, you know, out here being entrepreneurs, a lot of us. Well, uh, you know, you know, but, so, yeah, that's also kind of built into our DNA, right? That, that at some point when you start looking at, that's the thing my father always did with me. We would hire somebody, you know, whatever the plumber, we'll hire somebody, a plumbing plumber come and come into the house once and he would just, Look over the shoulder, mm-hmm. watch him, and then you realize, okay, stuff that I can do, I'm going to do. Then I hire somebody for the stuff that either I I don't have the time to do, or I just can't do. Absolutely. But those things that I can do, I I tend to do, uh, and so you 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 learn. Absolutely. Well. Lethardis, thank you so much for being on the program. Again, like I said, it's Saint Rest Publishing and the book that we are talking about today. There are many more. You will there will be a link in the podcast notes for you to go and look at his catalog. But it is bringing the light into a new day. African Center Rites of Passage. Uh, it is a great book. Uh, I actually sat down. I, I kid you not. There's uh, what 173 pages. Uh, if you want to read, if you want to read uh, the biography of uh, the brief bio of, of Dr. Goggins, it is 175 pages. But 
I read every I read every page of this book and it, I probably knocked it out because of the it was so interesting. It took me about three days to read it and it was very much a good book. Uh, it's a fantastic book and it really does get you to learn. And and regardless of your race, regardless of your color, regardless of your your culture, this is a good book to read because you can actually relate these rites of passages to yourself. Uh, and again, it is very important that you have pride in who you are, regardless of who you are. Once again, we'll be right back right after this. Do you have the next big thing? That world-changing whatchamacallit? Do you have a story to tell? You need a show-stopping web presence. You need the web spinners at Webinit. With big picture solutions, spinning together SEO, stellar web design, blogging, podcasts, and social media integrations, you'll find yourself developing your latest and greatest thing, idea, or telling that next chapter in your story. Look us up today at webinit.com. And remember, you're not everywhere unless you're Webinit. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the interview that we had with Lothardis. Again, like I said, we talked a lot about identity. We talked a lot about how um, if you start to lose your identity, what you can actually fall into, and you can fall into a lot of traps. So remember, for 2024, know who you are, and I don't care what that is. I want you to know and be proud of who you are. You do have to have a level of pride. Uh, and you should not be ashamed of that pride. You should be proud of who you are. I'm proud of who I am. All right. And I know that I have my flaws and I know that I have, you know, just done some really stupid things, but it doesn't matter. I'm still proud of who I am and who I become. I'm proud of my family. I'm proud of my, my mother and my father. I'm proud of my brothers and sisters. I'm proud of my children. I'm proud of my grandchildren. I'm proud of everybody that's in my family, regardless, because you know what? They're part of something that we share a tradition. And I hope that you feel the same about where you're from. I'm proud to be a Buffalonian. I live in Asheville, North Carolina, and I love it down here in Asheville, North Carolina. But people ask where I'm from. The first thing I'm going to say is I am from Buffalo and I am proud. And I'm going to tell you, if you look at my car, uh, if you look at the hat I'm wearing sometimes if I'm out, if you look at even even my my uh, I have a Samsung watch and my watch face does you're going to know I'm from Buffalo and that is you know what I have no qualms about it it's a great city uh, it's the greatest place that uh, to ever be it really is uh, as Marv Levy so put it where else would I rather be than right here right now you know it's 2024 and you know everything goes through changes i do want you to know that we are going to be devoting uh this podcast to you because this is all about you we want to make sure that uh you have you know you're focused on your purpose and there and i want to make sure that the stories that we share um from our guests our stories about purpose i want to make sure that you have a great plan and we are going to be talking about planning we're going to be really focused this month on the four p's and we're going to be talking on the four p's that you are going to be able to utilize this so when you get off my podcast you're going to be able to take what you heard from the podcast and you're going to be able to apply it we're going to be talking about uh financial planning we're going to be talking about career planning we're going to be talking about you know we're going to take a whole person approach and we're going to be talking about weight and mental health we're going to be talking about other physical health and and we are really going to get into it this month and we are going to definitely help you 
as you are going into this year to make changes and to go into 2024 and when you're in the middle of 2024 start to see the results of those changes we will be back next week starting on january 8th and when we come back on january 8th we are going to go into deep detail again about purpose about planning about passion and about persistence and you know what always 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 we will throw in a little bit of peace in there uh we'll talk about you know future uh sites to go to i know it's Jan january and we're probably broke from december and we're probably trying to make sure that we're getting the kids it's, it's the full push right now i understand but there are some places that you can go uh, and we are going to be talking about those spaces that you can go to wind down even if you're winding down for just a night it's a place that you can go i will talk to you have a fantastic rest of the week, and I will see you again on January 8th. Goodbye.